0: It's Friday, the 20th of October. This is the Climate Alarm Clock. This week's headlines, flooding in Cork, while Lloyds warns about the cost of climate impacts. And Greta Thunberg gets arrested at protests in London. Hello and welcome to the Climate Alarm Clock, your Irish climate news podcast. I'm Dara Wynn and this is the third episode of our fifth season and I'm delighted to be joined to discuss this week's stories by Anna Pringle and Kira Daly. How are you doing?
1: All right, Tesla. All-, <laughs> All good here, Dara, thank you. What about you? Are you coping
0: with the week? Uh, like? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I think... Uh, there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. Uh, but sure uh, getting getting through it all, yeah.
1: Well, season five, episode three is here to sort it all out. <laughs> <isn't>
0: it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just a reminder that if you want to support the work that you do and help us with the costs of running this podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm. And thanks so much for everyone who has donated uh, in the last few weeks.
2: Dara, I actually had someone giving out to me the other day, someone who shall remain nameless, because they said, why can't you just do a subscription so I don't have to go and do it several times? I was like, "Eh, I don't know, but just, you know, just just buy us
1: coffee. It'd be lovely. You can tell the listener that's actually my fault because I thought no one's going to really subscribe. Let's not go through the trouble of setting that up. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, this person was like, well, this person was like, just do it once. I could just do it once if it was a subscription. And I was like, okay, well, thanks. But do you, you do know where Buy Me a Coffee is, don't you? <laughs>
0: um, very <laughs> good. Jacket. What a lovely problem to have. Indeed. Um. Right. So I suppose we get into our first story. And we're recording this episode on a Thursday morning. So it is the, the morning. This story
2: is happening As we speak, almost.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start talking about Storm Babette and the floods that that has brought to Cork. So there have been some really, really upsetting scenes to see, particularly in Middleton, Glanmire and Killa, where Storm Babette brought one month's rainfall in one day to parts of Cork. Um, So... Over 100 properties have been flooded in Middleton. Um, they're at the moment discussing whether or not to evacuate the local hospital. Well,
2: actually, and, Dara, I was just listening to that. They, they decided not to evacuate because they couldn't get ambulances in to evacuate people. Okay, yeah, I, I saw so they that. Just, they just moved people to another building on the same site, I think. Um, but I mean, the centre of Middleton has been shut down and it's still shut down on Thursday morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I saw as well. I one of the last things I heard last night was that there were some schools where there were children still in schools that they um, weren't able to get them out and get them home. So oh, really? re- yeah, so I mean, it really really caught people by surprise. You know that if they had had anticipated anywhere near that level of flooding, people could have stayed home or you know that kind of thing.
1: Oh, those poor little kids.
2: Yeah, I mean, what were the Factors. I mean, they anticipated the storm and there were warnings for it, but I suppose it's so localised, it's hard to say that this is going to happen in this particular local area. And one of the things I heard people, local people and the councils were saying, and East, East, West Waterford was also badly affected and the county council were on this morning saying, nobody remembers anything like this in, you know, the last 40 years, there hasn't been floods like this.
0: Yeah yeah. Um and I think uh yeah and some of the rivers had their highest ever sort of recorded levels of, of flow and that kind of thing. Um yeah, so I mean, you know, we have been talking about on this podcast about the wet Ireland's wettest ever July and rainfall has been above average. It was above average in down in the southwest and and the south in August as well. So um I think it was always likely that if there was going to be heavy rainfall um, into autumn and winter, that there would be that there would be flooding coming with us.
1: A month worth of like rain in twenty four hours—it sounds kind of apocalyptic, doesn't it? But like, it's I suppose lot. for anyone who's new coming to the podcast, what has this really got to do with climate change? Is the question I want to put to you.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a really good question, and it's a really important question, Kira. Of course, you know, at this stage, you can't say that any one localized event is a result of climate change, but the climate change makes these events more and more likely, and so things like um, the increased rainfall that we've seen over the last few months—that's um, more likely. Because of climate change. Because as the atmosphere gets warm warmer, it can hold more moisture, basically. Um, and then the ocean is warmer as well. The Atlantic Ocean is warmer. So that makes it more likely that we're going to get more tropical storms. Um, so, so what we're
2: seeing is flooding has become just so common. I mean, mm-hmm. those images of cars floating in water, we've seen them from all around the world in the last few months and wasn't quite at that level in Middleton, but it wasn't far off it. There was cars that were very, very submerged. Um, And I suppose one of the things we've been thinking and talking about all summer was, can this happen here? You know, we've seen it in New York. We've saw the awful floods in Libya. We've seen, you know, we've seen all that. And we've been wondering, can, can something of that enormity happen here in Ireland? And I think what happened in Middleton is a real shock to people because while it wasn't that bad, it's still extreme.
0: Yeah, and for <laughs> the people that it has affected, you know, for businesses, for homes... It, it's, oh, it's awful. Uh, yeah, 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 it's it's so, so distressing. And, and, you know, I've heard people in the last few, day talking about, like, what a horrible experience it is to, to have your home... Um, there's nothing Flooders worse, end. and, and yeah. because it's not
2: clean water. I mean, you, yeah, th- you know, yeah. you think about it as just rain. It's not. It's not clean water, and it's the, just the destruction of that.
0: Yeah, it's um, massive. So yeah, I suppose Kira, to go back to your point about what's it got to do with climate change. You know, climate change makes these events more likely. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, whether you want to argue oh, this particular event wasn't caused by climate change, the other really big thing for me is that we know we're going to have more of this ahead in our future. You know, we're going to have rising sea levels and so many um, towns in Ireland are coastal. We're going to see more extreme rainfall and we don't really have um, good natural ecosystems to, or even good man-made flood defences to kind of mitigate these. So the what we really need to see or the thing that we need to be thinking about, maybe not today, but in the, you know, the weeks and months after this flooding is we're going to see more of this kind of stuff going forward. Like it is 100% inevitable. Um, and we are not prepared and we really, really need to prepare, you know, in, in all kinds of ways rather than just, you know, rather than just having having a weather warning appear two days before let the flooding happen and then people uh, people have their houses and businesses destroyed and then it's in the news for a couple of days and then it goes away and disappears and we forget about it until the next flood
1: On that point of like the two day weather warning something that really struck me when I was reading one of the articles was I think it was a of all TD was saying like his gripe was that Met Aaron had issued an orange warning instead of a red warning I was like, I mean, what is that going to do? Like if the infrastructure isn't there in place or the resources aren't there in place to like yeah. stop that. Yeah. The so weather I, warning, like the colour doesn't make a difference. I, like, I, we I need get to it, kind of be taking a bigger approach.
0: I get it in that I think if it was a red warning, like people would have stayed at home, people could have put a bit of, a bit of time into trying to protect their houses. But a lot of yeah. people weren't home when the flooding came. But also the, I think the weather warning was for rainfall. So the weather warning, the colour of the weather warning was based on the rain falling and and that um, the flooding, like I assume was, this is a bit of an educated guess, definitely a guess, but I assume the flooding, if, if they had that, that level of rainfall and there hadn't been such a wet few months beforehand, it mightn't have caused the flooding, if you know what I mean. So I think there's actually yeah. not a system in place for for flood warnings that there that there should be.
2: I I don't know about that. I mean I think we're very blasé about all the weather warnings and we tend to anytime Met Aaron issues an orange warning and nothing bad happens, everybody goes we didn't need an orange warning. You know, so when they finally do issue one and something bad happens, people go, oh it should have been red. Um you know it's it's the warnings the warning is something that could happen. It doesn't necessarily always happen. Um and we have a tendency to ignore some of those warnings or or dismiss them, I think. But maybe I suppose we my point on
1: that is more just like that's you know, that's I think if one of us people like citizens are given out about air that's totally valid. But like one of our political leaders, that's like we're just off the back of the budget. That's like an opportunity. Well, I suppose he's not gonna criticize that, but like that's an opportunity he should be like talking about how are we gonna future proof like this happening again, like, how are we going to reduce the impacts and all of those things? But it was like, oh, like, let me just give up about this thing that happened two days ago and then I'll move on about it next week. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. And, like, any of the coverage I've watched on the news had no mention of climate change um, at all. No mention of it. Um, You know, and as I said, you do have to kind of caveat it, but... I think it at this stage it is terribly irresponsible to talk about extreme weather events and not put them in the context of the climate crisis and how we're going to yep. see more and more and more of them. Um, yeah, and I guess that it's also
2: it's also but it's also hard to see how you would protect against that if you know somewhere is likely to be flooded, like say Cork City, which actually was slightly flooded yesterday, but not as bad as Middleton, then you can take some um, precautions. Um, in Dublin, the Talca flooded about 20 years ago and they'd put in flood defences. But if, if every town that has a river ha- can potentially flood and places like that never flooded before before can potentially flood, then how do you actually protect for that?
0: So... I'm going to say, let's even move away from rivers and let's talk about places by the sea that are going yeah. to be... There are some places that we know in 40, 50 years' time, people won't be able to live in because they're going to be below the high tide mark. Yep. So how do you cope with that? You know, like that's something we know is going to happen and, and some some places will be unlivable and people will have to be moved. And that is a... That is a reality um, that is not being discussed. And similarly, um, there might be there might be places in Ireland um that will become, you know, somewhat unlivable because of rivers and also because we've built on floodplains. Um, yeah. because we've had just reckless planning and construction over the last 50, 60, 70 years, um, that houses and um settlements were built where they shouldn't have been built in the first place. But I suppose there are, you have to take the long-term approach and the long-term planning approach. And one thing that I just find so, so exciting and um, encouraging is the effect that nature-based solutions have on on flooding of rivers. So things like restoring uh, peatlands, restoring wetlands, restoring forests upstream, Um, There have been a couple of examples of that um, in the UK in particular, um, where uplands were kind of rewilded along rivers and it had a huge, huge impact on flooding downstream. Uh, even in that place, you know, beavers were, int- were reintroduced into a part of Devon. Some, um, yeah, some people just dropped some beavers in a river in Devon a few years ago, um, unsanctioned. <laughs> that and
2: makes it sound like you they dropped them from a helicopter or something. Well, like, they were know. brought we're in from parachuted bro- some were beavers <laughs> in, you
0: know. <laughs> but yeah, they came from they came from overseas. Um, so no one knows no one knows where they came from. Essentially, it was some like uh, eco activists brought them in. And then, oh, so you mean it really
2: was like parachuting beavers in? I mean, it really was like a, <laughs> I mean, a, a subversive action, really?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Um, and oh, we
2: should do that here then. So, like that Owen I mean, if you let me tell like the that. story, it's that. a lovely story. Okay, sure. go ahead, Dara. Go on. So,
0: like in the UK where they introduced beavers, um,
2: <laughs> we're just getting excited about the beavers. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Tara. We need to, Tara to laugh audibly.
0: <laughs> I'm ju- I am just lost my train of thought. Um,
2: You're going to tell us about the remarkable effect of the beavers.
0: So in Devon, um, there were some eco-activists that basically um, brought beavers over. So no one knows exactly where they came from. Um, they were obviously brought from overseas somewhere and they were left in this river in Devon and um, the authorities of the National Parks and Wildlife Service were going to were going to cull them because they were like well they shouldn't be here and then there was loads of people campaigned that said well hey listen like we used to have beavers in the UK before it's not their fault they're here leave them at it so they left them at it <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and st- they
2: went forth and reproduced,
0: yeah, and then a study by the University of Exeter a few years ago. so this is about five, six, seven years ago. um, and this study from the University of Exeter was two years ago, and they found that the beavers upstream building dams reduced flooding downstream and um, and their dams also filtered pollutants out of the water. um so, uh, so yeah. Just letting nature have a chance and letting nature do its thing is such a big part of the solution.
2: Do you think we could go to Devon and borrow some of those beavers and drop them into where would we where would we put them? The Kumaras or somewhere to protect
0: I back Waterford garden. and
2: Cork? Kira's yeah, back I've garden. Po- I have a pond. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll dam it up on you, Kira. Perfect. <laughs> do you think your dog would like beavers in the back garden?
1: He probably would. He's really friendly now. I'm not so sure about the cat.
2: <laughs> do beavers eat cats? What do beavers eat? Are they vegetarians?
1: I do not know. I couldn't tell you. Mm. Next episode. Next week's episode. Um, um, follow up on those I, beavers. For Ireland, like, you, we're talking about uh, letting nature do its thing. The budget's just out. Is that something that's incorporated in the plan? Do either of you know?
2: Well, yeah, there is. The budget was out last week and one of the Uh, initiatives that has been welcomed by environmentalists was that the government has established what they call a climate and nature fund. And that has about 14 billion euro to invest in projects up to 2030. Now, it's called a climate and nature fund, but only 3 billion of of that fund will be dedicated to climate and nature projects. So I think you probably have to look at the details there, but it is a positive um, initiative for sure.
1: Positive
0: enough? Yeah, and I've, look, is I've anything, seen... I've is seen anything mixed... enough? I don't know, yeah.
2: but
1: it's,
0: you know, but um, it's, it's at least it's a start. Okay. Yeah, Pork Fogarty welcomed it, so I would trust his his judgment on it. Um, I suppose to kind of keep, or to bring those two things together of sort of finances and... Climate impacts. We've seen a few studies in the last few weeks and a few reports in the last few weeks about the cost of natural disasters. Anna.
2: Yeah, and like one of the things we hear a lot is people going, "Oh, we can't afford to take climate action." You know, we had remember we covered that was it last week or one of the last episodes um, when the Fiscal Advisory Council came out with a big um, estimate of how much climate action was going to cost, Mm -hmm. but. What is climate change costing? And if you look at it now, there is an estimate that... So just to take the US for starters, insured losses... So the insurance industry is kind of at the front line of this in a lot of ways. Uh, but insured losses from natural disasters in the US now routinely approach $100 billion a year. Wow. A year? One, a year. Wow. So you think about that's hurricanes, wildfires, floods, the works... So it's hundred billion dollars a year, but not only that, if you go back to the year two thousand so twenty years ago, that hundred billion was actually four point six billion wow so that's how much it's gone up in twenty years and what's happening is that um, the insurance industry is for you know obvious reasons is stopping it's is not going to insure you for hurricanes in Florida for example um and then a new study has just come out from the insurance industry that has said, so that's just in the US. Um, so now they've looked worldwide, and the latest data worldwide shows um, an estimate of $280 billion in costs in 2022 alone. Oh. So, yeah, so
0: they said it cost $16 million an hour for the past yeah. 20 years.
2: So, think about that. In the time it takes you to listen to this podcast, it'll cost almost $16 million, the cost of the climate crisis. Got. So what's happening is the insurance industry is obviously seeing this firsthand and they are starting to, what they used to do, like in the US, for example, the insurance industry would spread risk. They would say, okay, you know, we might have to pay out for a hurricane in Florida, but we won't have to pay out for... A hurricane in California at the same time. Turns out there was a hurricane in California this year, and also then the wildfires and so on. So, so they are having more difficulty spreading their risk and obviously making a profit from it. Um, so, they, what they're saying now is the insurance safety net, so called, is starting to collapse because of that, which means who pays? Yeah, you know, and and you know, it's actually what's going to start happening is the public will be paying. 'Cause because insurance companies
0: can't make any money about it, yeah. it anymore. Yeah, I see um I see I know we'll be probably talking about COP a bit more later on in the series, and we're very cynical about it all, anyways, but I see that uh talking about the polluter pays is going to be a key part of the Irish delegation's messaging at COP this year. So saying that the people who cause the damage should be the ones paying for it.
2: Absolutely. That kind of um, brings us into our next big story, doesn't
0: it? Um, yeah, just before we go on to the next story, actually, on the in, last thing on the insurance part is that Lloyds also did a study the week before last, and they found that global economic losses could reach $5 trillion over a five-year period. Wow. So they said it's a plausible increase in extreme weather events And they are linking it to crop failures and food and water shortages and kind of looking at how those impacts would then have knock-on effects to societies in relation to um, geopolitical alignments, widespread disruption, damage, economic loss, and change consumer behaviors. So um, obviously, you know, $280 last year they're saying that it could be a trillion a year over a five-year period and they said that they are increasingly trying to look at the systemic picture so at the moment i guess to kind of echo what you were saying annie you know sometimes the insurance industry would take all these events in in isolation but now Lloyd's are kind of trying to say well um this uh there can be domino effects, and and lots and lots of different scenarios and and situations can have impacts on other situations, and that's the way they're trying to look at it. And when they did that, um, they came up with this figure that it's it's not it's not unlikely that there could be five trillion uh, dollars of damage done over a five year period.
1: Can I quickly yeah. ask you who Lloyd's are?
0: They're an insurance company. Okay,
1: so these guys know the biz.
0: They, well,
2: they yeah, they actually they and they insure insurance companies, so they're they're looking at the whole industry very systemically. Um but one of the quotes that I came across talking about this issue and about how people can't get insurance anymore and so on just said um the global process for handling life's risks is breaking down, leaving those who can least afford it unprotected. So that's what we're we're dealing with.
0: Well, um that is quite a powerful quote and speaking of powerful quotes, um, we had some great speeches from Greta Thunberg outside uh, or at a fossil free London protest outside the Energy Intelligence Forum at the Intercontinental Hotel in London yesterday where she got arrested for disrupting an oil summit.
2: Yeah, And think about that for a minute. In the Intercontinental, in Park Lane in Mayfair, can you get any more high-end than that?
1: Hey, they're Possibly making not. money. Don't hate.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the Energy Intelligence Forum, which was you know, a forum for oil and gas company and related people, um, I don't know what they were discussing intelligence, I guess. So
0: I heard Greta, it described as the Oscars of oil. According to the Guardian, yeah,
2: that would be one of the uh, Oscars I would not be displaying on my mantelpiece. That's for sure. Um, So yeah, so there was a protest outside. They and what what's shocking is you know like all they did was stand outside the hotel. They were trying to stop the, the, the
0: the people getting in. That was yeah yeah yeah.
2: It was a peaceful protest. And 27 protesters were arrested and 26 of them were charged. So Greta Thunberg has now been charged with a public order offence um, for her role in that Fossil Free London protest. Hmm. Yeah, so once again, we saw images of her being, being led away. And she's tiny and being led away by all these big police officers and put in the back of a van. And, you know, to be fair to her, she's not just using her words. She is out there putting herself on the line because she was yeah, arrested sure. recently in... Sweden as well, and then she's been dragged around by cops in Germany as well. So she's she's getting around, and she's she's joining all those protests. Um, so will we just listen to what Greta had to say in Mayfair during the
1: week? Go for it. The world is drowning in fossil fuels. Our hopes and dreams and lives are being washed away by a flood of greenwashing and lies. It has been clear for decades that the fossil fuel industries were well aware of the consequences of their business models. And yet, they have done nothing. The opposite. They have actively delayed, distracted, and denied the causes of the climate crisis.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Drowning oh, oh.
2: in fossil fuels, she, that's a, she's, she's so right.
0: Yeah, and we just don't hear that enough, you know? No. Um, that there are people in power who knew about this and could have prevented it and decided, ah, no, not worth it. Um, well, but
2: you know what the defense now that ExxonMobil has used recently is, yeah, yeah, we did know about it, but everybody knew about it. So people can't really sue us because they knew it was an issue.
0: Okay, right. So that's, they've moved,
2: and so it's, it's straight out of, the big tobacco playbook. You know, you knew you knew smoking was bad for you, so you can't sue us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But and, and coming back to what we were saying earlier about the costs of climate change, and, you know, Daria, you were starting to say about the polluter should pay. I mean, the amount of money that these companies are making is just mind-blowing. Um, in 2022, the five biggest companies... Their total profits were 195 billion in 2022. And that was and, and what's worse about that is that was 120% more than the previous year. So their mm. profits are huge and going up. So they made in despite all of this, despite the cost of climate disasters, their profits in 2022 were at the highest level in the industry's history.
0: Yeah. So, I
1: looked into this last night because I, I, when I hear Gretchen Thunberg speak, part of me is like, oh my God, she is amazing. And then there's like this little, I don't want to say it's an Irish part of me, it's probably just a human part of me that I'm like, this can't be real. (laughs) like she must be a bit nuts like or is she overreacting or I don't know what it is like there's a little bit of (laughs) me that I have to like so last night I sat down and I was like no you know this is happening and I was like just looking at the figures like every now and then I just have to remind myself of those figures that you've just kind of given us there Anna because even though I'm part of a climate podcast and I listen to people talk about climate action and all of those things every now and then I get like a little bit of a like it, could this really be happening? Do I sound like a bit of a lunatic for believing this? But like am at, I a bit thick or something?
0: But no, it's it's such a good point, Kira. And like I said, you know, we had that flooding in Cork. Um, yeah, climate wasn't mentioned on the news, and then, like the scientists will tell us what an existential threat it is, and Greta is basically repeating that. Um, You know, there's nothing too different. She's just maybe throwing a bit more of a justice lens on it and and talking about the people responsible. That's just what she's saying. But because no one else is saying it, because the people in power who should be saying it, like Greta shouldn't have to be standing protesting outside uh, an oil convention. Because the people in power aren't saying it, that's why she looks... Um that's why she looks crazy or that's why I can give that impression of is there is there something wrong with her? But it's it's actually yeah. you know, but she's actually right on point. And that's also why you know that's why it can be really, really difficult to confront these issues as well, because you're looking around and other people aren't doing it. Um Yeah,
2: but but, but also the s- states around the world are cracking down on on peaceful climate protesters, and that's something mm-hmm. that we yeah, have. That's really be scary. It's very scary. It's very scary. Uh, I was chatting to a girl last week who is in Just Stop Oil and she was involved in a lot of their actions. She now has an injunction against her. She can't, wow. she can't go to any protests and she has a court case coming up. Now, it could take a couple of years for the court case, but she's looking at possibly up to 10 years in jail. Wow. And it's not... Hypothetical, some of her friends are in jail, and they got served like four years. You, you remember the guys that hung off the bridge? And you know, you're looking at going, "This is terrifying that they're actually even even able to do this." Yeah. Um, they got three and four years in jail for doing that. Yeah. You know, so the governments are trying really hard to stop people protesting, um, which is a massive issue around the world as well.
1: Yeah, definitely, especially like you know we were kind of seeing in the news you look one side you've got the ukraine war the other side what's happening in palestine and you know when you kind of look at the links between climate change and what it's doing to the planet that is obviously catastrophic and devastating but then you also look at That's what the whole war in Russia is about, or in Ukraine is about. It's about oil. And then I was looking, so kind of to remind myself that, no, what Greta is saying last night, I actually just looked into it. Because sometimes I feel like, am I reaching? But then what I was looking at was um, one of those fossil fuel companies Total energies, they had 22 billion in excessive profits and that would have been enough to cover the $4.3 billion requested by the United Nations last year to provide humanitarian relief to everyone in Ukraine. After the fact that what they're fighting over is fossil fuels in the first place. So, like, well, it's just mm. so complex and, yeah.
0: I wouldn't say they're necessarily fighting over fossil fuels, but it's it's fossil fuel money that's funding it. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, sorry. yes, yeah, it's,
2: it's fossil fuel money that's funding it and it is all about... Resources, Power, though, because yeah. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, and so it's it's a lot about extractivism and resources for sure.
1: Mm. So we're with Greta, surprise.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. The the profits that the oil companies are making could be, it's you know, it's criminal. It's criminal. Yeah, it, they could absolutely. be diverted to so many things, uh, or to you know, fighting climate change for a start. And then you mentioned Palestine. Um, Kira, and uh, you know, obviously it's been incredibly upsetting to look at the news coming out of Israel and Palestine since October 7th and just the atrocities that have been going on. But again, this is a climate justice story and, uh, you know, because colonialism and oppression is tied in with climate justice, but also just on a very real level, water is a big issue in that area. And So you know, in Palestine they have water scarcity, and but that's partly because it's controlled by the Israelis. And we've seen we see the the, just the horrific spectacle now of people being threatened with dying of dehydration because they've cut off the water, which is just obscene. But it's also because that region has water scarcity to start with, but then it's also been exacerbated by drought and by climate change. So there's no there's no conflict around the world where there isn't some aspect of climate justice as
1: part of it. Yeah. And I think where I struggle with it is that it's really difficult to find that connection in the media. So then sometimes when I almost gaslight myself, I'm like, oh no, yeah. you're being dramatic now.
0: Uh, yeah. And also yeah. it's nice to sometimes, you know, it's nice to just, well, if it if it was important, it would be in the news. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about it because because they're not worried about it. Like, that is kind of a comforting place to be at times.
2: Yeah, yeah it is. Although it's also very, um, it does make you, as Kira said, gaslight. You know, you do kind of go, am I going crazy? Am I insane here that, I'm, you know, that I am concerned about this? Um, and yet, and, and actually, it's only when you see scientists you follow and and people you respect who are also going crazy about it, you go, okay, it's not just me.
0: So that's, yeah, yeah. that's helpful. Yeah, helpful. Um
2: so, so we need some good news, do we? We need some yes, good
0: news please. to finish up with yeah, yeah, and there are some there are some good news stories um from around the world. Um one nice one that I saw in Kenya um is a farm that's going to produce fertilizer that's free of fossil fuels. So it's uh making ammonia, but they're getting the hydrogen from water where usually it would be taken from natural gas. So ammonia is normally a really high polluting um, uh, thing to produce. And this Kenyan... um, Sorry, this, yeah, this Kenyan company are basically able to do it now with solar panels and do it fossil free uh, to create ammonia. So that is really, really cool.
2: Give it up for Kenya. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, And then, you know, we have seen that the world's largest offshore wind farm has begun powering. It's in the North Sea and has begun delivering power to British homes and businesses. So that's positive as well.
0: Yeah, it's going yeah. to power up to 6 million homes, I think, by the time it's, yeah, well it's finished. finished. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, Albania is making strides in renewable energy, um, installing 235,000 solar panels at a power station.
2: Yeah, and staying in Eastern Europe, Romania is also. Um got a significant investment to work towards climate neutrality and they have plans for reducing their emissions by 99%. Um, so they have uh, announced a 2.1 billion euro fund to do that, um, focusing on energy efficiency Across a variety of different sectors, so you know, yeah. Ru- Romania is not the most wealthy country in Europe by a long shot, and neither is Albania, and they are making strides. So that's really positive.
0: Absolutely, I'm really glad we researched all those positive stories, Anna. <laughs> yeah,
2: we had to look. We had to go as far far flung places to find them, but there are there are a lot of positives as well. I mean, there um, is a lot of
0: no. A shout out uh, to Kira yeah. who wrote, I think, all of that in our scripts, and we didn't let her say yeah. any of it. <laughs>
1: That's oh. okay. <laughs> Kira, do you, want to, do you want to say anything? I just want to say I envision a better world <laughs> and I think with some more solar panels, we are going to get there. <laughs> I had to grasp at anything I could get this week. Like, I just needed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: No, it's good. And actually, you know, if you look around your, your neighbourhood or drive up and down the country, you're seeing more and more solar panels on roofs now in Ireland, which I think is really positive.
1: I have got some actions. I saw a story uh, that one of you shared. A report from Board BIA was, or it wasn't a report, somebody from Board BIA was saying that there's 85% less uh, field vegetable producers in Ireland than there was 25 years ago. So there was a census in 1998, which found we had 400 growers. And now in 2023, we have 60. So that's obviously extremely worrying. But yeah. um, at the weekend, because I work in food, I am very interested in it. I attended um, the Thal of Bio conference. So, Thal of Bio are a group which uh, stand for a system which puts the power back into the hands of farmers, communities, and citizens, as they say themselves. So, the conference that I attended was just to discuss the future of Irish ag- agriculture and land use. I am not a farmer, I just went because it's something I'm really interested in, and I'm really glad I went. It was really. Um, encouraging day to hear about the work that they do and they are looking for people to more people to get involved. So if you are somebody who eats food or likes food or cares about food <laughs> or work in food, we're going to put links in the bio for how you can check out and learn more about them, but also how you can join up. And I really would encourage you too because they're really, really brilliant.
0: Excellent. And to support, you know, to support the growers that we still have in the country is a really, really, really important thing.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can I give a shout out for um, Friends of the Earth has just launched a new Act Local campaign and you'll find it on the Friends of the Earth website, but it's for people in their own communities. It's given them the tools to make change happen, um, either to form a new group or as part of an already existing group. And the two critical strands to the Act Local campaign are creating space for nature and also walkable, livable communities. Um, We won't mention the 15-minute... Neighborhood concept, but, um, but those are two great strands, and it gives people an opportunity to start doing something at a local level, um, and transforming their own communities. So, check that out on the Friends of the Earth
1: website.
0: Yeah, amazing. Um, and also a shout out to the conference that's happening in Galway on Friday, the third of November. Um, the what is the role of the university in the planetary crisis that's being um, yeah, run in the Galway Bay Hotel I think and it should be brilliant I'm really looking forward to it
2: Very good and that was the 3rd of November? Yeah Great and if like us you are horrified about what's going on in Palestine um, there are we put some options for donations in the show notes as well Um Medicine San Frontier doing amazing work in the hospitals there um, and, and there are other groups too but we'll put links in the show notes
0: yeah, Lovely job Absolutely um, Okay that's it for this week if you don't already you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Climate Alarm Clock and on Twitter at The Climate Alarm You can support us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash the climate alarm. We'll be back in two weeks time with a very special guest. So Anna and Kira, I'll chat to you then.
1: Over and out, Desla.
2: Dara our special guests are you know very top secret I've been people have been pumping me wondering who these special guests are going to be but I'm not divulging
1: anything Anna whoever's pumping you in your own private time <laughs> own <listener. laughs> okay can we take that out
2: <laughs> people have been asking questions oh yeah leaving the beavers
0: say. in but we're taking <laughs> out the pumping I see leave, I, I want a bit it, of gender equality leave it to beaver
2: <laughs> I'm getting excited about the beavers.